You're listening to the Seahawks Insiders. Russell takes the snap, steps up in the pocket, looks, has time. Now he's going to throw. Tyler Lockett looks for the ball. He's got it. Touchdown, Seahawks! Getting you ready for Seahawks football every Sunday. The handoff inside to Carson starts up the middle, now bounces it across the line. He's in. Touchdown, Seahawks! Powered by Seahawks.com. Sadly, there is just one more Seahawks game to preview and get you ready for on the season, but we are going to make the most of it. Jen Mueller alongside John Boyle from Seahawks.com. And despite the smile on my face right now, John, I am grouchy. I have been grouchy Uh all week. I will be grouchy next week. I have already told people closest to me, just stay out of my way. I am going to be grouchy. Grouchy about this football season? Yes, and I we're, hate not, it when the season we're ends. We're not talking playoff scenarios yes. this week, and who could we? Yeah, it's tough, and, and it's for, it's unfamiliar territory. And I just love being at a football game. I, I will enjoy yeah. watching some playoff football and not having any responsibilities. Like by the time I get to next Saturday and Sunday, I will be in a better place. But I just hate the end of the year. I hate saying goodbye to people. I, I hate not having football on my schedule. And yet I'm looking at this calendar that I have on my desk. And the first line says, an excuse is simply a challenge that you have decided has power over you. So I could say that I am so grouchy that I'm going to mail this in. But no, that is not what we are going to do today. Besides that, John Boyle, I am in a little bit better mood because of the update we got from Bobby Wagner this week. Now, I'm going to just start off by saying... um just expressing uh, my gratitude and being thankful for the position I'm in. I uh, just want to thank everybody that reached out. I'm good. Ain't got to worry about nothing. It's not serious. Uh, I'm grateful that I do yoga. Uh, I just learned that I can do the splits if I want to. I'm quite certain I could not do the splits, so I'm glad I was not in the position Bobby Wagner was. I, I would have come out worse for the wear than he did. Yeah, great to hear he's he's good. Now, We'll see what that means for this week. I mean, even a non-serious knee injury when you're talking a sprain could make it real tough to get back. I do like, though, that, you know, I think a lot of fans are like, ah, why would he bother? You know, if you're hurt, this game, there's no playoffs, like, just shut it down. But, like, it's important for him. He talked about this to finish strong. Talked about the leadership element of showing guys, like, look, you got to, you know, if you can be out there for your team, you do it. So we'll see what happens. I think it's a tough ask to, to get back from that injury in a week. But if anybody could do it, I mean, He is one tough, durable guy. So we'll see what happens. He absolutely is. But the silver lining on this one is that if he can't go, it will give the Seahawks an extended look at Cody Barton, who really hasn't had a chance to get on the field very much because of Bobby's durability. And I would say, John, that we have seen him show up in special teams a lot. He played all of those special team snaps and he went out and made a big difference in the middle of the field. Yeah, he looked really good out there. looked very comfortable. And this is a guy who started a few games over the years because of injury, but never a middle linebacker. It's always been one of the other two linebacker spots when, you know, when KJ was hurt for a while or when they were rotating guys through at different spots. So to see him, I mean, that's really probably his most natural, comfortable position is middle linebacker. But when you're behind a all pro middle linebacker who never leaves the field, you just don't get a chance to show it. So yeah, he looked great. And, you know, you would love to see Bobby Wagner out there, but that duo of him and Jordan Brooks looked awfully good. If you got to roll with that again. Do you think watching those two on the field, Cody Barton and Jordan Brooks changes anything about how the Seahawks will evaluate that position or WAG's future next year? 
I don't necessarily. I mean, I, there. look, Bobby has addressed this himself. There's a financial element in play with his contract. He's still under contract, but it's a lot of money and teams make those decisions. I think they've got a, like, they've always liked Cody Barton and they know what he is. Um, I mean, him playing well certainly backs up their opinion, but I don't think it's going to change their overall evaluation of the roster if something were to happen there. Well, and I do love the way that Bobby put it this week. He was like, I'm going to put on my businessman's hat, my business yeah. suit. We're going to have the conversation. And when he asked, uh, was asked, does this mean that uh, you're going to take a discount? It was like, no, that is yeah. not what I said. Let's be very that, clear about that. That was Bobby Wagner's agent, Bobby Wagner, clarifying Bobby <laughs> Wagner, the player's statements earlier is what that was. Yes. Yes. I also point out that, you know, Bob has given his, um, his little two minute spiel before every press conference this year. I love what he's done. I have actually downloaded books at his recommendation. I will be reading about 50 cent in the next couple of weeks. Very excited about this. Yes. For as much as Bobby wants to finish the season strong, we already know what he can do. There is absolutely another player on the Seahawks that wants to show us that this isn't a fluke and to finish what he started, Rashad Penny coming off 170 yards against Detroit. Now, fans might have doubted that he was capable of doing this and living up to his status where he was chosen in the draft. But we know from talking to Pete that his teammates always knew he had it in him. You know, there's a play in the game last week. He breaks it out and the the play, he put his head down, he's running, you know, and, and he gets knocked out of bounds and he slides, you know, to the bench. And there's a moment there where there's about six or eight guys that just all jumped to him in, in kind of a bevy around him to help help pick him up, you know, um, that I, I thought was um, it was an indicator of, of guys, you know, connecting with him and, and cheerleading for him and, and excited for him and, and, and protecting him, too. You know, they were maybe worried that, you know, something was wrong. Um, that was just a vivid illustration. I don't know if that showed up in the, in the TV copy or not. I've seen guys across the board um, be excited for him. And it, it's one... It, partially because he's such a good player and such a dynamic aspect of the of our team right now but also it's because they know what he's overcome and it's been such a you know a hardship for him to make it through it and everybody's cheerleading for him in, in that regards yeah you know i asked pete about that in particular because he was named the nfc player of the week and grand scheme of things those awards aren't a huge deal necessarily but you saw damn near every seahawks player on twitter quote tweeting that commenting on like you don't see that kind of outpouring generally for a player for player of the week. And I think it was just a demonstration of how happy they are for him to finally be enjoying this success. I mean, they've, the guys who've been around know the kind of talent he is, but it's just been such a tough three and a half, four years for him with the injuries. So it's great, obviously for Rashad Penny's career and his future and financially and all that, but everyone's just happy to see him having success. Well, and it's got people wondering about his status with the team next year and if the Seahawks will bring him back and what that deal could look like and whether this is a fluke or not. So the two questions I would ask is, is this a fluke? And what considerations go into making that decision? Talent-wise, absolutely not a fluke. I mean, this is why he was a first-round pick. The few times he got healthy and had opportunities before the ACL injury, he maybe wasn't quite this big of numbers, but he looked this explosive. Now, the thing you really have to evaluate when you're talking about the future is, can he sustain this health-wise? I mean, you've got, it's such a weird situation because they drafted him in part because he had such a high medical grade. The guy was never hurt in high school. He was never hurt in college. Everything they looked at with the doctors was, he's, you know, he's a healthy guy. He's going to be durable which is hard to do at that position. And then he comes in, he's hurt over and over. So to me, that's the evaluation they have to make is, 
okay, how much can we count on him maintaining this health? And that's also going to affect his free agent market. Just, you know, that's going to be a hard one to predict where the money goes with that, how other teams view him. Well, and do you think the numbers are skewed based on the opponents that he's put these numbers up against? Because he's gone over 100 rushing yards against Houston, Chicago, and Detroit. Those teams are nowhere near being in contention for anything. And I know that people are going to look at that and the offense in general and say, I mean, really, how much stock do you put in the last few weeks? You know, uh, this is kind of cliche to say, but it's still the NFL. Like These teams are, they're still talented. And yes, not every team is as good as the other. And running for 170 against the Lions is not as impressive as if he were to do it this week against the Cardinals or he, if he had done it against the Rams or whatever. So there is, you know, there's some element of that. I don't think he's going to average 150 yards a, a game for a whole season, but I do think that what he's doing is real and it translates and he could be, if again, the health is a big question, but if he is, I think he could be a, you know, a very elite running back. Well, you talk about doing this against the Cardinals defense. Holy cow, they held Dallas to a season low, just 2.6 yards of rush last week. And Ezekiel Elliott, 16 yards on nine carries. It is going to be impressive if he can find the yards against Arizona. But John, that brings me to another point here about the NFC West being the toughest division in all of football. And and the numbers show it. They scored the most points. They've allowed the fewest points. It's the only division where every team has a positive point differential. How much does that factor into any evaluation of what you've seen with Rashad and, and what you're seeing from this offense? Yeah. I mean, that's, that has to be a factor in how you evaluate everything about this season, but the offense in particular, I mean, this is by far the hardest division in the NFL. Well, maybe someone's going to argue with, I say by far, but it is, I think the hardest division in the NFL, especially when you look at the defenses you face. So, you know, look, that's not an excuse. You, this team is a better team than a six and 10 record. They should have won more games than they did. If they had been healthier, they probably would have, but in terms of if you're making decisions on guys, if you're looking at the performance of the offense, if you're evaluating how the first year coordinator did, I do think all of those things factor in when you just talk about the difficult slate you play for six year, 17 games. Well, and you mentioned that, look, it doesn't matter whether you're in division or playing, you know, outside your division, you still have an NFL team that you have to face. You still have a lot of talent. Here's one thing that you cannot question. It's the play of the offensive line in the last few weeks. Again, I realize it's the Lions. The Lions still have a good pass rusher that you had to stop last week. A couple of them. They did that. And it is amazing when you consider that the left side of that line is being held down by a left tackle who is now 14 years into his career. Dwayne Brown has not missed a game this season. He is still a stalwart on the left side. Just today, we're in walkthrough, and then I was checking about this is his day that he, he does the walkthrough stuff. Um, and, and I had the thought, that thought about how we have worked together, you know, with his input and the trainers and, and the strength and conditioning people, everybody working together to give him the right kind of runway so that he could be at his best. It was really the whole conversation through the offseason coming to camp, too, you know, and, and uh, was that to make sure that we, we maximize his opportunity to be available. He's done a fantastic job. I mean, he's, he's been uh, he's had a nice year. Uh, in many ways, he's, he's done some really good things to get better at stuff, technique-wise and, sch- and schematically, that we're really excited about. There's no reason he can't keep playing. I mean, yeah, if he wants to do it, I mean, which I think he does, um, I think he's got, he's got more playing than him. I wouldn't even put any years on it. He can keep going. What I love about Dwayne Brown's season is he struggled a little bit early. He wasn't at his best early in the year. And 
with a guy his age, you think, okay, is this the sign he's, you know, done and taking that turn? And he's, you know, he wasn't a bad player, but he just didn't look the same. And then all of a sudden, midway through the year, it's like he kind of challenged himself or whatever it was. And he's been playing, you know, looking a lot more like the player he was the last couple of years. And like Pete said, all of a sudden you're like, okay, this guy can keep going. But again, just for a guy with, you know, his experience in the league and as long as he's been playing to, to be able to turn things around mid-year like he did has been awfully impressive. And that whole line, pass protection-wise, you look at, you know, all year long they're giving up three, four sacks every week. It's been, you know, zero against Houston. There's three against the Rams, but even, you know, that's the Rams always get a ton of sacks against the Seahawks. And that, by if you kind of handicap it for playing the Rams, that was actually a pretty good pass protection game. And then two sacks and one sack. So they're, the pass protection as a whole has been a lot better. Well, and we talk about the skill players having to adjust to a new offense. The offensive line does too. They're, they're not running the same schemes that they've yeah, been running the sure. last couple of years. I mean, that takes a little bit to get used to. Uh, it, Dwayne did not participate in training camp. I, I think mm-hmm. that was a little bit of it too. He is now a Pro Bowl alternate. And my question is, do you have a feel for whether he will come back or wants to come back to the Seahawks next year? I mean, it sure seems like both sides are pretty amenable to making it happen. It's always easier to talk about wanting it to happen right now than in March when contracts are being handed out and we see what everyone's offering. So, you know, he's going to make the right decision for himself financially, obviously. But, you know, it it sure sounds like hearing him talk when he did a press conference last week, like he or maybe it was after the game. But he I mean, he seems to really like it here. He loves the culture Pete Carroll's built. You know, I think he just likes a lot of things about it here. And if you're the Seahawks and you look at the way he's played the second half of this year, they've they've figured out a really good way to kind of manage his workload to keep him fresh. I, I think there's, you know, maybe more so than if you'd asked me at the beginning of the year when he, they started the year without a new deal. I feel like it's a lot more likely than if you'd asked me in August. Well, and whether you end up resigning Dwayne Brown or you go and you find a left tackle, because I don't think you have the succession piece in place right now in-house, you are going to have to find a left tackle, as we mentioned, who can deal with the defenses that you encounter in the NFC West because there is no let-up in any of these teams. You're going to have to keep a guy like Chandler Jones in check. The Seahawks will face him this week. He has had more success in Seattle than any other team he has ever faced, and Pete Carroll knows why. He's just an incredible athlete. He's so long and lanky and yet still quick and explosive. Um, that he he just beats guys and he's really a, a really a problem to block in in, in any kind of combinations uh, run and pass you know so um, I've really been impressed with his effort his motor really showed up this year I think I, I don't know if, maybe I missed it in the past but I've been the most impressed this season yeah I mean this is a guy you mentioned at most success against any team he, he's got 15 and a half sacks in 10 games against the Seahawks two earlier this season for the last time he played, he missed some games with injury, but the last time he actually played the Seahawks. So that's, we're talking six sacks in two games against Seattle. And yeah, I mean, he's just a handful in so many ways. He's so big and long. He'll, he'll affect passes at the line of scrimmage when he doesn't get home. And I mean, they, it's, he's not even their leader in sacks right now because they got gold on the other edge. So to your earlier point about, you know, this division doesn't let up. It seems like every week it's, if not one, then multiple really difficult pass rushers. And Chandler Jones is about as good as they get. Well, and it's why you're going to have such a focus and such a conversation in the offseason about what that offensive line looks like, because you do, as we mentioned, have questions about free agents on both sides of that line when it comes to tackle. Now, when you talk about the pass rush, Seattle would love to dial up its pass rush this week. 
but it's going to be tough because Kyler Murray is what I would consider an unpredictable quarterback. Seattle did not face him back in week 11 and said they faced Colt McCoy, who found a lot of success. And I think before that game, we talked to Trey Brown, a teammate of Kyler Murray's at Oklahoma. And I think the word he used was maverick just because you have no idea what he's Mm going to do. And Kyler is equally as confident in running the ball as he is throwing the ball. What makes him, which makes him really, really tough to defend. There's nobody like Kyler Murray in terms of the style of play. He's got his own uniqueness that, uh, that jumps out at you. You, you. you can't deny it. And, and uh, their offense is similar. You know, they run similar plays and stuff like that. But hit the dynamic element that he brings to the game um, is really just very unique. And so um, it, it's his ability to take off and run on design runs one, but, but really on the scrambles that makes it so uh, such a challenge. And, and uh, so he's a fantastic football player, and, and uh, I'm sure they're happy to have him back. Yeah, going back to your point about the pass rush, it – it kind of reminds me of, you know, especially early in Russell Wilson's career of it's almost a, a curse if you get home too quick, because if he gets out of that first guy, now he's got all this room to run. He is so fast and quick in space that he actually hasn't run the ball nearly as much this year. He did have the ankle injury slowing him down early in the year. But the last couple of games, he's been putting up more rushing yards and he's not afraid to just chuck it downfield. He's got some really good weapons. So this will be, you know, because of his injury and because of Justin Fields, I don't think the Seahawks have faced uh, running quarterback this dynamic all year. So this will be a really good test for some defensive discipline. But for all of the numbers, Arizona has really struggled at home. I mean, they've lost four straight games at home. It's been really weird. They are on their ninth different offensive line combination. So it, it's not like, well, I don't, I guess you can look at it and go, well, shoot, they haven't been operating at top level. Boy, that could really look, you know, incredibly different this week. Or you can go, wait a minute. There is a blueprint for beating these guys. Yeah, it, it's a weird team. I mean, they look like the maybe the best team in the NFL through the first half of the season. They were undefeated for a while, and it's been very up and down for them lately. It's funny you mentioned the home road thing. I was talking to Darren Urban over at the Arizona Cardinals website, and he's kind of half-joking, like, do they even want to win the division? Because they might be better off going on the road in the postseason the way they're doing versus having the home game. Um, of course, you, know, you want to win the division. You want that home playoff game. But, uh, yeah, I, I think we've seen in recent weeks that, you know, some teams have figured out ways to be effective against them. But then you turn that around, and they just went and beat a really good Cowboys team last week, which I think gives them a ton more confidence of, like, okay, we figured this out. You know, that was a rough three-game losing stretch, but we're back on track. Yeah, but they might not have their top running backs. I mean, James Conner and Chase Edmonds are both dealing with injuries and they might just decide to rest them to get ready for the playoffs. And James Conner is not only the leading rusher for the Cardinals, but he has the most touchdowns of anybody on the team. Yeah, he's a I mean, we've seen it all year long with dual purpose backs who catch a lot of passes, do a lot of different things. He's he's really dangerous in a lot of ways. They're going to have to. If he is on the field, you know, that's, again, going back to the mobile quarterback. When you have that good running threat and a good running attack, it's really tough to deal with. So we'll see what happens. You know, Cliff Kinsbury said they got to be smart with both those running backs, which a lot of times translates to, eh, let's just give him the weekend off and see what happens. But we'll see. We will see. And we are certainly rooting for a win because that would make it easier To really wrap up the season, I mentioned earlier being grouchy, knowing that this is the final week and that they'll clean out their lockers on Monday and that we won't have these opportunities to talk. I mean, I'm grouchy that you and I won't have the opportunity to talk. 
And it can be really hard to get hyped up for the last game of the year when you know there's nothing on the line. Of course, that's really only hard for you and I and maybe listeners because Pete Carroll doesn't have any problem with that. No, we're going to win football game and do everything we can to get that done. And to us, it's, it, it is our last game of the year. We, we want to practice playing in the last game of the year and, and, and finishing with a win. You know, that's that's what we we set out to do that, to, to get a championship opportunity uh, to really do it. You got to capture that last time out. And so we've we've made somewhat of an emphasis of that, um, so we can build from this and, and learn from it and try to grow and have some reference points when we come back around to it uh, next time around. So uh, it's a big deal, and, and we're, gonna, we're going for it. We're treating it, you know, you heard me say it. But the whole idea all along the process is to get to this game so that you can play at your best and win the last game of the year. And, and uh, so um, I'm really excited about this opportunity. It's a terrific team, and, you know, it's on the road. You know, we played the Super Bowl there before, you know, so uh, um, it, it's, it's, it's a big opportunity for us. You know, I, again, we go back to that Lions game and people want to dismiss it because they're not a very good team this year. But to me, what the Seahawks did that game and, you know, we'll see how this week goes. But if you can finish the season strong like that, that says a lot to me about the coaches, about the players, kind of just the, the culture they have here that it is easy for teams to check out a little bit and just, you know, you're still trying, but maybe you just don't put that a little bit of effort in during the week, whatever it is, uh, especially a team that's not used to this. I mean, this is a team that has not played a meaningless end of season game since 2011. So a whole decade, no one, no one on their roster was here for that. So it's a challenge in at least one game in, they've met that challenge really well and we'll see what they can do this week. But I do think they're going to be ready and come out hard. Okay. Well, if you could give them two things that would make a difference in this game and ensure that they come out with a win, what would those two things be? More points than their opponent. No, just kidding. That's too easy. Wow, you, just said you, waited, sure. all well, you, you were, waited all year to pull that one out. Said Thanks, to John. Sure, them a victory. That's the way to do it. No, um, <laughs> I want to see uh, offensively. It it seems so simple to say, oh, be better on third down. But we saw last week that what happens if that first or second drive is third and ten all year long? They haven't converted those. If they don't convert that, are we talking about a totally different game? Do the Lions get a score? Is it stay tight the whole way? But they converted, and all of a sudden they're rolling. Seven for 12 on third down, their best all year. And it was better than that until the end of the game when they were taking some knees. I think at one point it was like six for nine. So do that. All of a sudden you get into the playbook more. You start seeing all these extra plays. Rashad Penny can get rolling a little bit. So better on third down. And they always say turnovers come in bunches. Let's keep those going on defense. We saw the three interceptions for a team that has had a hard time getting turnovers this year. Offense has been awesome at taking care of the ball, but they've been not getting it off their opponents either a ton. So keep getting those takeaways, maybe get two or three more to finish strong. You know, I think you mentioned this earlier in the week, nine times this season, the Seahawks have had zero turnovers in a game. Yeah, it's the most they've ever would, had in the season. I would like to see that continue this week. Also, offensively, they are coming off a game where they have seasons high in rushing yards, total yards, you mentioned third downs and number of plays run. It's unlikely you're going to get 71 plays against Arizona, but boy, if you could have it in that 60, 65 range, which would do all the things that you just talked about, third down conversion, staying on the field. I guess the downside to that one is uh, Michael Dixon won't have a chance necessarily to to move up on the all-time list for most punts inside the 20, but I, I think he would gladly wait and save that record for next year. I'm just going to go. Absolutely. Yeah. He'd be okay. I mean, he only punted once last week. I'm sure he'd be happy with that. He'd be okay with that. Just a lot of holding. Yeah, that's, we can handle that. 
we can handle that. We will see if the Seahawks follow our game plan next week because we will join you with the final edition of the Seahawks Insiders podcast next time.